everyone. Happy Happy New Year. I mean, it's it's Happy New Year time already. We can start celebrating. We uh, we're here in the midst of uh, the end of 2023 and the beginning of 2024. That sounds like science fiction a little bit, doesn't it? It's like, I mean, this is now a year after uh, uh, Michael J. Fox went into the future and back to the future. So it's a little trippy if you think about it. But anyway, we're so grateful that you're here. Obviously, this is New Year's Eve. You never know who's going to show up. Last week, as we used to say as I was an altar boy growing up, was the holy day of obligation. And so uh, so a little, little less people here. But that just means there's more communion for all of us. Isn't that wonderful? <laughs> But we were here today uh, to think about this past year uh, in both uh, the joys and also the sorrows. We know that there's good and there's bad in every day and every year. But we know that our God is with us. And so as we know that our God is with us and we're continuing to grow and transform, uh, we've got a, uh, a, just a great day, a wonderful opportunity to hear Pastor Sean Lorridge uh, speak to us about this new beginning that we get to experience each and every day. So that is a good thing. If you're with us online today, we say good morning to you. Uh, we will be praying and we'll be receiving communion together. So uh, if you'd like to put your prayers uh, in the uh, the status bar of Facebook, you can do that. It's probably not the right word. It tells you that I'm getting into the older years. It's not the status bar. It's the info bar. It's something. It's somewhere in there. Put your prayers in and we will get it or God will hear it at least. And so uh, also you can get your bread and your juice. Well, good morning, good morning, good morning. All right, our call to worship this morning is coming from Psalm 65. And you go ahead and read with me, if that's what you feel like doing. <laughs> oh God, we wait before you in silent praise and thus fulfill our vow. And because you answer prayer, all mankind will come to you with their requests. Though sins fill our hearts, you forgive them all. Thank you, Lord. Oh, God who saves us, you are the only hope of all mankind throughout the world and far away upon the sea. God formed the mountains with mighty strength, quiets the raging oceans and all the world's clamor. In the farthest corners of the earth, the glorious acts of God shall startle everyone. The dawn and sunset shout for joy. God waters the earth to make it fertile. The rivers of God will not run dry. God prepares the earth for his people and sends them rich harvests of grain and waters, the furrows with abundant rain. Showers soften the earth, melting the clouds and causing seeds to sprout across the land. lush pastures in the wilderness. Hillsides blossom with joy. The pastures are filled with flocks of sheep and the valleys are carpeted with grain. All the world shouts with joy and sings. If you'd like, you can be seated. And let's take a few moments just to prepare our hearts for communion as our community team comes up. And I thought we could start this moment with a little bit of a examine or an examine, however you want to say it. And as we're preparing to celebrate the coming of the new year, let's take a moment to think about the past year. Let's think about the things that brought us happiness and the things that brought us sadness. For the kids and for the kids at heart, those things that brought sunny feelings inside and the things that brought stormy feelings inside. And in the silence, let's give all these things to God. Trusting God to celebrate with us and mourn with us, giving us a fresh new start. So in the silence, let's think upon the sunny and the stormy and know that we can offer them both to God who brings us peace in our hearts.
uh, we're grateful that you are with us in the difficult and in the joyous. And God, that you are helping us to grow and you're teaching us and you're bringing us into something new each and every morning. And can we pray this together, giving thanks for this new start? I don't know if we have that available, the first all. Yeah, we can jump right past that. To we get to the we give thanks for the fresh start. There we go. Let's pray this together. We give thanks, we give thanks for the, the fresh start, start of every morning, morning and new year. Today, as we experience the passing of the old year and the entering in of the new, we thank God for giving us new life in Christ every day. We have celebrated with joy Jesus coming into the world these past few weeks. And let us now celebrate this new life that Jesus tells his disciples and friends about at that first communion meal. We give thanks for our hearts Let's hear again the story of this hopeful meal. When Jesus knew the time for his death had come and the darkness was gathering around him, he shared his final meal with his friends. Taking the bread, he gave thanks. And then he broke it, giving it to his disciples, saying, this is my body broken for you. And do this whenever you eat it to remember me. And then after supper, he took the cup and gave thanks. And then he gave it to his disciples, saying, This cup is a new covenant and forgiveness of sins. Do this whenever you drink it to remember me. Jesus, we thank you. Jesus, for the cup. Oh, sorry about that. We thank you, Jesus. And now, as we eat this bread, and as we drink this cup, we proclaim that Jesus has brought us new life. We proclaim, proclaim that Jesus' body was not held by the grave. And we proclaim the hope that we have found in Christ. And we will keep doing this until our hope is fulfilled. Amen. Amen. So as our communion servers come up, we invite you to come up to receive communion and to receive the goodness that is Christ. Amen. God is worthy. Amen. Amen. No, I guess it's just me. I'm so magnetic. You guys can go ahead and be seated for a minute. I, I, I'm recalling uh, one year being in Haiti uh, on New Year's Eve and then New Year's Day. So New Year's Day for us, January 1st, is actually Haiti's Independence Day, 1804, um, and they have a traditional meal that they partake in, goat soup, so it's goat intestines and other things. Um, don't think too lowly of it because our Independence Day meal is hot dogs, so it's very similar actually. Um, anyway. So we're around this table and we're celebrating independence and Pastor Carlo, I noticed, isn't eating the soup. Uh, smart guy, I always thought Pastor Carlo's brilliant, but uh, I said, why aren't you eating the soup? And he said, because uh, my people are not free and we're especially not free um, in our faith and there's a lot of people that uh, haven't come to a relationship with Christ. He said, therefore, until we're all free, I feel like I can't celebrate with this meal. So it was kind of a personal conviction to him, and I was reminded as we just took communion, I love that line, and I know I won't have it exactly right, but the line at the end there that says, we'll continue to do this until our hope is realized. And when it comes to our giving of our resources, sowing in the things that God's given us to steward, um, I feel like that's another one of those things. We just continue to sow into God's kingdom with our time, our talent, and our treasure until the hope that we all have is realized. And the hope that we have for our friends, the 
hope that we have for those in our community and those around the world. And uh, I'm just, I'm overwhelmed when I think about this, the last day of 2023, that all around the world, God's people will sow into offerings um, in order to try to uh, get ministry, get the gospel most effectively out. And it requires resources and it requires talents and treasures and, and volunteerism. Uh, and it's just such an amazing thing when you think about it, what God's doing. Another thing happened uh, on a, a night that we were in Haiti, I was reminded of, um, which is probably one of the most powerful offerings I had ever been a part of, was um, there was a church. We showed up. It was like 1130 at night in the mountains and just totally dark couple of lights uh, that they had going in the church. They had been waiting for us for hours to get there, and they received a building offering uh, because they were doing uh, what we would in America call like this uh, giving initiative or capital campaigns. I don't, I don't like some of that terminology in America a lot. Anyway, uh, there were people coming up that had absolutely no finances, and they were putting rocks uh, into the offering basket, and one person I noticed put a nail in, one nail into the offering basket, because that's what they had to give. And it reminded me of the widow's might, and I thought, I am so blessed by God's people. And just the ability as a community of faith to come together and to sow into God's kingdom. So I want you to take a second uh, this morning, even as Don's already led us in an examen, I want to lead us in a quick just consideration of our where we've been individually and corporately um, and where we're going in the new year. And Sean's going to talk to us about new beginnings. Um, and I just don't want to change the channel too quick, right? Like, let's celebrate what we've been able to do. So just consider what you have been able to sow into God's kingdom this year. And just know this. God doesn't waste anyone's resources. I've always said that God is the most economical being in the universe. Wouldn't even waste the devil. And I fully believe that. Um, and... Many of you are saying, what the heck is he talking about? So if you want me to talk to you more about that, we can do that at a different time. I'm not going to bore anybody. So just think about your own giving this year. And this will be your last chance, your last opportunity to give. I'll say this. You guys have responded, and we'll give you a lot of clear detail next week on what has happened over the last several weeks since we approached you about some things uh, that were going on at Crossroads. You guys have been amazing. We've had miracles happen. We're going to talk to you. There's been some absolute miracles that have happened in the last several weeks um, that have gone beyond what we had imagined, hoped for, or thought. So we'll talk about that and your way you have engaged. So let's keep that up. So let's consider that for a moment and give God thanks just for individually what God's done in us and then the opportunity to give into one more offering this year. And then I want you to consider, let us consider what God might be inviting us to in the new year, which will begin in just some hours. And what, what are you hoping for and desiring to be able to bring as a gift, kind of like the Magi, bring as a gift and lay at God's feet over this next year. And let's agree for one another and for Crossroads that we'll be able to live into all that God is inviting us to, the desires that God's given us for our generosity. And Lord, as we, re as we receive uh, these offerings, God, uh, for your kingdom purposes, one final time in this year, we give you thanks. You have overwhelmed us all with your generosity. Even in our disappointment, we have seen your hand in powerful ways. And God, we pray that this year would be finished out strong by us, that we would respond to any unction or invitation you're giving us, and that we'll see amazing things happen on uh, 
for the, those that we long to realize your hope, including ourselves, over the next 12 months as we enter into a new year. So we sow in with joyful hearts in Jesus' name. Amen. If you're in the room, there's some baskets up front. If you're online, you can give. Or if you're in the room, you can give just by text. Uh, what is it? 84321? If it's not, you've just given money to somebody else. But I'm pretty sure it is. Anyway, maybe they needed it. And now let's bless the kids. Lord, we're uh, at the same time uh, so grateful. When our kids entered 2023, they were in a certain place. They've grown. They've experienced. They've heard your voice in ways that they've recognized and not recognized. We thank you for your faithfulness in their life. Thank you for every parent, every guardian. We bless them and we bless our teachers, those that pour into our children and we pour in prayer on their behalf. Thank you for 2023 for our children and we look forward to what you have in store for them in this new year. And everyone said, amen. Amen. Well, good morning and almost happy new year to everyone. I'm so glad that you're here today and if this happens to be your first time in a long time or your first time ever, we're just so glad that you're with us in person and online. And we would love a chance to connect with you um, at our Next Steps kiosk. If you're in the room, um, there'll be someone there after service. We'd love to send you home some info about the church and a gift. And if you're online, you can connect with us at ccmonline.org new. And um, we'll connect with you electronically. Um, just a real quick... Um, mentioned that we're not giving specific announcements for this um, week, but we want to let you know as we're getting into the new year, we have some beautiful things planned for January. And so this is a, a time when we typically think about how we want to start our new year afresh. So if there's something that is um, tugging at your heart, I just want to let you know in January, um, if you have a desire to help those that... Um, are in need and that don't have a voice and to protect those that are at risk. We have a human trafficking task force event in January, training during the day for helping professionals in an evening gathering where there'll be education for us um, others. Um, I plan to be there and I'm excited um, to learn more and see how I can help protect young people. And uh, also coming up in January, we have a retreat. So if you want to start off your year with a little refreshment and reflection and connection time with God, we have that. And also we have, um, if you're new to Crossroads and you just want to learn more about what we do here and, and what it means to be part of the Crossroads family, um, we have an Experience Crossroads event after service in January as well. So if you go to ccmonline.org slash events, all that information is there. And I would be remiss to say, because I'm a youth leader, um, we also have a youth camp coming up in February at Spring Hill. It's an amazing um, three-day experience. I'm one of the, the leaders for that. If you um, know a 7th through 12th grader that would like to come, um, the registration information is on our events page as well. And um, I'm just giving thanks that we had a, a beautiful donor donate some scholarships so we have some kids that can go to camp for free because it's not super cheap, but it's worth every penny. Um, so, um, yeah, so if you know a young person that would like to come to camp, um, that's all on our events page too. So thanks for being with us, and happy almost new year. Amen. Thank you, Stacy, for doing that. Thank you for doing the kids' camp. Appreciate it. I just want you guys to know that uh, I am not. I'm the serious brother. <laughs> I don't think there is a serious brother in my family, actually. In the famous words of my father, Dickie Do-Rod, you guys quit horsing around. All right? So today's message... Uh, in light of the date and where we're headed, is uh, entitled A New Beginning. And it's the eternal power of resurrection. Every day is a new day in God. Every day is a new day. And I will be serious. I don't have any jokes for you today. Um, but I want to make sure there's an emphasis on the conscious awareness, our conscious awareness of the crippling power of resentment and entitlement and God's amazing grace to reveal it all to us. He makes all things new for us. 
Coming in uh, 2024, I felt deeply moved in sharing this portion of scripture for all of us today. I'm strongly reminded of the power of the resurrection. Just uh, Jesus explaining to Nicodemus a process of being born again. He says to Nicodemus, do not be surprised when I say to you, you must be born from above. Something new has to happen in your heart. Something new has to happen in your soul. Something has to happen in your being, Nicodemus. Something new has to happen. These particular processes we all must travel through to become eternally more like the Father. Amen? And my hope is that you see Jesus running out to you and that you feel his loving arms wrap around you and his gentle kiss upon your face today. That you will return home in 2024. Start afresh. New beginning. Choose to live in your father's house and receive all that he has for you. He loves you so much. It's paramount that we have a conscious understanding of who we belong to. David says in Psalm 139, For you formed my inmost being. You knit me together in my mother's womb. Jeremiah 5 says, I knew you before I formed you in your mother's womb. Before you were born, I set you apart. And equally important to know what God has for us as his children. Romans 8.17 says, Now if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God, and co-heirs with Christ. If indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory. Amen? I believe it, it's imperative not to forget as children of the Most High to continually have a Holy Spirit conscious awareness of how much we are loved by our Father in heaven. With that being said, our perspective should always be eternal and have the humble understanding of the glorious inheritance that is ours as children of the Most High. We forget that we're joint heirs to God's kingdom. Everything that our Father has, and I mean everything, it's all ours. All that God has for us, as well as our brothers and sisters, it's all ours. Sometimes when we read the scripture, or at least when I read the scripture, I think to myself, yeah, Jesus really gave it to the Pharisees, didn't he? He just said, man, he's really giving it to them. Good for him. They're trying to trick him. When in fact, the truth is he's really speaking to me. It is the loving mercy and kindness of the Holy Spirit that leads us to repentance. It gives us that conscious awareness of who we are. That we don't have to settle for less than. We don't have to settle for what the world has for us. What the world puts on us. In Luke 15, Jesus shares a profound parable for us. And it comes out just after Jesus hears the scribes and the Pharisees making a statement amongst themselves loud enough for him and the sinners, that's me, to hear. This man invites and welcomes sinners. And not only that, he eats with them. Yeah, he does. Christ's wisdom and mercy is demonstrated in the story of Luke 15. And the younger son. And the older son. And the incredibly loving father. The parable of the lost son should really be entitled the parable of the lost sons, plural. When you read it, it's more appropriately described. And hopefully today I can take you through that and we can get into it just a little bit. 
so that we can all be set free. Amen? Jesus continued, verse 11. There was a man who had two sons. The younger one said to his father, Father, give me my share of the estate. So he divided his property between them. Not long after that, the younger son got together all he had, set off for a distant country, and there squandered his wealth in wild living. After he had spent everything, there was a severe famine in that whole country, and he began to be in need. So he went and hired himself out to a citizen of that country who sent him to his fields to feed the pigs. He, belonged, he longed excuse me, to fill his stomach with pods that the pigs were eating, but no one gave him anything. When he came to his census, I want you to remember that statement. When he came to his census, when he got born again, when he came to a conscious awareness, okay? Think about that a minute. When he came to his senses, he said, How many of my father's hired servants have food to spare, and here I am starving to death? I will set out and go back to my father and say to him, Father, I have sinned against heaven and against you. I am no longer worthy to be called your son. Make me like one of your hired servants. So he got up and he went to his father. Now, I want you to picture this. But while he was still a long way off, the scripture says, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. No questions asked. The son said to him, Father... I have sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. But the father, as if he didn't even hear it, he was way beyond that. The father is way beyond that. He doesn't need him to say. The son needs to say. The father don't need him to say. But the father said to his servants, quick, Bring the best robe, put it on him. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a party. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. Now, I want you to listen to this word. Meanwhile, back at the ranch, so to speak. Meanwhile, the old brother was in the field, the older brother. When he came near the house, he heard music and dancing. So he called one of his servants and asked him, What's going on? Your brother's come home, he replied. And your father has killed the fattened calf because he has him back safe and sound. The older brother became angry and refused to go in. So his father did the same thing as he did for his younger brother. He ran out to him. He went out to him. And he pleaded with him. But he answered his father, Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a goat, a young goat, to celebrate with my friends. But when this, pay attention to the pronouns. This son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes come home. You kill the fattened calf for him. The father, my son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have, everything, it's yours. Everything I have is yours. God's saying that to you today. Everything is yours. But we had to celebrate and be glad because this brother of yours was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. Now the photo of Rembrandt, it should be popping up here shortly. There it is. 
The photo of Rembrandt's painting is called The Return of the Prodigal Son. Now, this is a little bit deeper than the picture that is shown in the Bible illustration, but it illustrates the same thing. It illustrates more. It's deeper. And I know that Pastor Claire has shared many times in her spiritual trainings as well as her teachings about this, this photo, this painting, The Prodigal Son. In Henry Nowen's book, Return of the Prodigal Son, he states that for every adult human being created, there's a process of maturity that we should reach as children of God. The ultimate figure emulating God in this story is the father. Now pictured here is the father who is embracing his son. He's covering him. If you notice his his feet, one is missing a sandal. Take a look at that picture. Now one's belief, as well as mine, is that we are all called to emulate and exist as the representation of the Father. If you notice his hand in the painting, it's actually one of his hands is a feminine hand. If you look closely. It represents the love of a mother. However, to get there, we as people must also experience and go through the process of the two other figures in the parable. The younger son. Let's start with him. It is a known fact that in the Jewish culture, when a son asks his father for his inheritance, in the manner in which the son leaves while the father is still alive, according to writer Kenneth Bailey, it is tantamount to a declaration of wishing the father dead. Hmm. Interesting. The truth of the matter is, the son left way before he comes to his father and asks him for an inheritance. His heart and his mind was gone way before he left. He disrespects and betrays his father and his father's name. What he does is a slap to his father's house and his father's name. The younger son demonstrates a conscious effort to distance himself from everything that his father and his family represents. By traveling to a distant country, it states that everything that is holy at home is disregarded. Leaving home is a statement by the son that says, I do not yet have one. I don't have a home. Now one describes him as brash, brazen, demanding, self-confident, self-indulgent, spendthrift, sensual, lustful, very arrogant, conceited, entitled, ignorant, and selfish, and possesses a self-induced drunkenness or unawareness to reality. He's proud, strongly convinced of his own genius, a lover of luxury, and someone who is quite oblivious to those around him. I am sure, this is my take, he wears expensive outfits with gold chains and outlandish hats and turbans, enjoys vain popularity with many followers and so-called friends. He's unappreciative, he's ingrate. In other words, he's a spoiled little brat. You have been a spoiled little brat? <laughs> You've been called a brat from the podium? <laughs> you guys are a bunch of brats. Mm-hmm. But as the scripture shows, in his brokenness, something happens to him. He comes to his senses. You see, humiliation and grief has a way of almost like purifying effect on this young man's soul and his ability to see what is really true about his life. Sometimes we get humiliated. We get humbled by the grace of God so that we can see the truth about who we really are. He comes to his senses. He receives revelation, wisdom. He repents. He has new life. 
Father, I've sinned against heaven and against you. I'm no longer worthy to be called your son. And therefore, I ask you these questions. Have you ever left home? Are you far from home right now? People online, people sitting in here, people may see this a year from now. The Holy Spirit's asking you the same question. When we look at the photo of Rembrandt's painting, you can see the damage sustained by the younger brother. As the father loves his son through his brokenness and heavy laden with shame and guilt. You can feel it. He is malnourished. He has lost his hair. He's lost his sandal. He is ravaged. He is filth ridden. But the father embraces him. He brings him close. You know, it's almost like he's breathing on him. Breathing life into him. But the father said to his servants, quick, bring the best robe, put it on him. Sorry about this. If you've ever been lost, you know what it's like to be found. Put a ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Bring the fattened calf and kill it. Let's have a feast and celebrate. For this son of mine was dead and is alive again. He was lost and is found. So they began to celebrate. This is the way God sees us. How he treats us. How he loves us. How he restores us to life. Jesus said, Father, forgive them. Forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Breathe that in. That's love. It's so much easier in life to identify sins of the flesh, isn't it? It's so much easier. Most of us wear them on our outward person. But man, the sins of the heart. Only God sees those. Or those of us, hopefully, who choose to examine and acknowledge our own. But I am of the opinion that sooner or later, those sins of the heart manifest too. Sooner or later. So let's take a look at number two, the older lost son. The older son. But he answered his father, look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. Yet you never gave me even a young goat so I could celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours who has squandered your property with prostitutes comes home, you kill the fattened calf for him. What we see in the older son is obedience through servitude instead of through love. And what happens is when there's obedience through servitude and not love, it turns in to what we basically call resentment. 
to slavery and bondage, to comparing envy, jealousy, hatred, and total disconnectedness to family and community, which leads to bitterness and separation, loss of understanding as to who the son, the older son, really is to the father and to his brother. Have you ever been the older brother? I ask you. Have you ever looked across the aisle or in the parking lot and thought to yourself, God's never done that for me. God's never done that for me. Entitlement leads to death. As well, we see it in the younger brother's life, correct? Thinking you deserve more than what you have been given without the understanding from where it comes and why it comes will ruin your soul and thrust you into poverty. Poverty of the soul as well as poverty of the flesh. The countermeasure to entitlement is gratitude. I believe that gratitude as well as joy cannot coexist with resentment. As a matter of fact, I believe that the opposite of resentment, entitlement, envy, jealousy, fear, and strife is gratitude. And none of these can coexist with gratitude. By being grateful, you push resentment and its partners out of your life. You no longer compare what you don't have, but give thanks and appreciate for what is already yours. It's already there. And what you do have, you'll get more. And you begin to steward it with generosity. Jesus made it very clear to us. In fact, we have all we need in him. Paul writes, do not compare yourself to anyone else. Don't do it. Why? Because it creates resentment, and resentment fosters fear. Fear of being left out, or less than, FOMO. FOMO, that's a new word. It's been around about 20 years, but it's new to me. Fear of being forgotten about, as well as jealousy, bitterness, and envy. Man. It's Christ's mission for us to walk in the consciousness and the understanding of gratitude. And we must return for our own, own soul's sake from complaining, comparing, envious, fearful, entitled, and jealous self to our true self, which is to be God's beloved. We are God's beloved. The father's action toward the older son is the same as to the younger son. The older brother became angry and refused to go in, so his father went out. He ran to him, pleaded with him. My son, the father said, you are always with me. And everything I have is yours. The older lost son has left as well. He left. He left. Could have been even before his brother left. Who knows? In his heart, he left. He's not obvious to us initially. However, when you read Luke's account, it's very clear. He's leaving. Occurs way before... He states it becomes to him that he becomes angry. Angry is a manifestation of what's been going on in his heart for a long time. You ever see that come out of you? The older son makes it clear that he's not a son, but he is a slave to his father. Look, all these years I've been slaving for you and never disobeyed your orders. What do you think happened along the older son's journey in his mind and in his conscious awareness. What his thoughts were when he got up and went out to the field every day. All these years, says the older son, for years I've been obedient. This statement by the older son tells me that for years the older son has been thinking this way. I've been slaving for you, states the older son, to his father. He's no longer his son. I've been slaving for you. 
he is no longer his father's son, nor has he been for a while. Reinforcing that belief by adding these words, while that son of yours, which means he's no longer my brother. And if he's your son, you are no longer my father. You are just a slave owner. Interesting. And not only that, one more thing, Dad, slave owner, you haven't given me anything to compare to him. You made it easy on him. But me, being a victim binds us up in resentment. Instead of being a free-living child of God, it steals life from us. It robs us from community and family. It makes us foreigners from the land in which we are chosen to live in. My, oh my, out of the mouth the heart speaks. Now, I know this isn't any of you guys, right? (laughs) But did you ever meet, like, one of those crusty old Christians? You know, they've been going to church for a long time. I mean, they got the same seat. Don't move me. And they never teach about the salvation of Jesus in this place anymore. You know the kind I'm talking about, Christians like that. I once was found, but now I'm lost. I once was alive, but now I'm dead. You know what I'm talking about? That was a joke. Number three, the Father. Oh, the Father. He can teach us so much, can't he? But while he was still a long way off, his father saw him and was filled with compassion for him. He ran to his son, threw his arms around him, and kissed him. Just at a, at a glance, what this scripture tells me is that the father had been waiting for his son's return from the time he walked out the door. He didn't become angry or write him off, but was able to allow him to leave on his own free will. Take his total inheritance and waste it. He did not allow his mind to become bitter, but he was filled with compassion. I am sure his heart was broke the day his son walked out the door. However, his ability to live beyond the hurt, disrespect, all the thoughts of rejection on a daily basis, his unconditional holding on to and existing in the conscious hope and longing for and loving his child with divine mercy in the power of love is the mechanism. It's the mechanism that God uses. It's the mechanism that transformed death into life for us. To continually look for his son's return and run to him while still at a distance tells me that he sat waiting moment by moment, longing for his son's return. He was able to consciously disregard and move beyond the son's actions and thoughts. Not dwelling on his past and responding as if, but responding as if it never happened. Bring the best robe, place the ring on his finger and sandals on his feet. Put him in the place where he's always been and where he's always meant to be. And toward his older son, his love never faltered or changed. My son, the father said, you are always with me, and everything I have is yours. You are my beloved, and on on you, on your human being, on your soul, on your body, on your existence, my favor rests on you. So God's saying to you today, it's a new beginning. If you have gone away, it's time to return. If you have those thoughts, understand, God has not forgotten you. He loves you. He desires to be with you. According to God, we are truly children of God. According to him, we have access to everything that is his Because we are his sons and daughters. His love for us is greater than our actions and our thoughts. 
God's love does not depend upon our actions or what we think or the service we give or don't give. God's full plan for all of us is to bring us back home from being lost to being found, from death to life. Not just one day, but now and throughout eternity, co-heirs in Christ. So I want to pray for you today as the worship team makes his way back. This day going into 2024, I want you to know that God loves you. Today's a new day, new beginning. His plans for you are unimaginable, and they don't change. And if you are like the young son, God is watching out his window. He is watching out his window, waiting for you to return home. And if you're like the older son, and you're dead inside and angry and jealous and envious, feeling like you've been forgotten, I have news for you, you have not. And for all of us, I pray that we become more like the Father. We be full of compassion and love, unconditional love that transforms those of us around us from death to life. Amen? Isaiah 43. I recommend you read the whole chapter of Isaiah 43, but I'm going to leave you with this scripture, 18 through 21. Remember not the former things, nor consider the things of old. Behold, I'm doing a new thing. Now it springs forth. Do you not perceive it? I will make a way in the wilderness and rivers in the desert. The wild beasts will honor me, the jackals and the ostriches. For I give water in the wilderness, rivers in the desert, to give drink to my chosen people. The people whom I form for myself that they might declare my praise. Amen. Happy New Year, folks.